We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at his hard line. Let's go. from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at my side because he is the host with the most. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair. He is at the helm behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great vessel through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So, Welcome to His Heart Line. Today is Wednesday. Excuse me. Today is not Wednesday. Today is Thursday. We get my days all messed up. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. It's Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. And you are listening to episode 564. It's titled The Hundred. And we'll be doing a reading out of First Peter chapter 4 out of the five chapters that is in that book. So hope everybody's having a good day already so far. One more day till the weekend, at least for normal folks that work Monday through Friday. But people like me, who typically work Sunday through Thursday, weekend usually starts a day early for me on Friday. So, you know, it is what it is. In fact, I kind of like it like that because I get to have my Saturday when everybody's typically still working. So then I can go out to eat and do stuff like that while everybody's still working. I don't have to deal with big crowds. It's really nice. And then typically my Sunday, which is everybody's Saturday. I get to kind of chill out and mow the lawn and kind of stay homeward bound if I want while everybody's out and about doing the whole restaurant thing and getting groceries and everybody's jam-packed and fighting over each other. You know, I'm just not a big crowd guy, so I'm perfectly okay having my weekend start on a Friday and going back to work on a Sunday. I'm absolutely all right with that. So anyways, real quick, sorry for starting the show a little early. You know how it goes. Every Thursday, we always have our state, you know, Michigan State General Dural Assembly call. So that's at 730. So I had to start the call or excuse me, start the um, start the podcast a half hour early today. So forgive me for that. But remember, as I always state periodically on this podcast, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat and I don't play one on TV. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer, nor hold any title of nobility. I don't give out any legal advice. I am also the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. Additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own unless I reference other materials So there. You go to all the Karens and Darens and all the other derelicts out there that like to try to take my words, twist them around, and take them for face value. And say, oh, he said this, so so we're going to sue him for that because he said that, and I'm going to take him seriously because he gave medical advice or he talked about supplements, and, and he's not a doctor. Well, that's why I say that, because it's kind of people like that that disclaimers have to exist. So anyways, wanted to say hello to Angie and April K. Welcome to the show. See you guys popping in and saying hello in the chat glad to have you here share the show get your friends and family on here angie you need to get rietta and donnie on here get them on the horn get them over here get them in the chat uh because i'll tell you what this is actually going to be a show that i'm really excited about because and we got nancy that just popped in hello nancy s welcome to the show welcome to the show um 
I'm really, and there she is, Rietta. There she is, lady of the hour. Welcome to the show. There she is. She says, LOL. That's how you greet LOL, not the howdy howdy. <laughs> so real quick. So the, the book of the hundreds. Now, this is very interesting. The book of the hundreds has many authors in it. And well, let, we'll just say this. Okay. So the hundreds first off has been written by many authors and some of them are elders in the assembly the book of the hundreds explores the uh the concept of what the hundreds actually were back in ancient uh england and colonial america the practice of the hundreds in ancient england was rooted in the idea of self-governance and communal responsibility. And I see Rietta was asking, I tried to find the book online, but nothing came up. That's because it's not a published book book like you would have most other books. You will find it in the national-assembly.net uh, website. I will also post it on Telegram. So I will post the book on Telegram, but it is on national-assembly.net. You can find the book, The Hundreds. It's called The Book of the Hundreds. But The Book of the Hundreds, it talks about basically, it, so, so The Hundreds were, were small groups of people that were consisted of godly families. They, they came together uh, within their shire or county to establish a system of governance under the lordship of Christ, right? By being a bondservant for Christ, Jesus Christ, that is. And so they recognize that their lives belong to the king of kings rather than earthly rulers and merchants. Now, there's about, I can't remember exactly, I think there's like 300 and, I forgot exactly, 320, 315 pages of the hundreds and comprised of numerous uh, authors, one of them of which is in our Michigan General Journal Assembly, who I talk to on a weekly basis, and he's a very smart man. Um, I think he might want to keep his name private, so I'm going to keep it private, but he was one of the authors, contributing authors to this book. And a lot of research went into this, a lot of research. And so anyway, so within each hundred, which typically comprised of 10 families or tithings, as they were called, the members took collective responsibility for the actions and behaviors of everyone in their community. Now, if you're in the assembly, does that kind of sound like the assembly in a way, right? So they formed their own courts with the hundred court being responsible for the local matters and they, you know, and dispensing justice based on the principles found in the religious texts like the Bible. Um, and, and, and that's what I was getting at before. So, like I said, there's like 300, there's definitely over 300 pages, 315, 320. I'm on page 233 right now. And once I get through it, I'm going to go through it again because it's that interesting of a book. It's very, very intense with knowledge. Now the hundred had its own constable and, and the Shire, which is, you know, which is later known as the King's County had a reeve who served as law enforcement officials, which were responsible for maintaining peace and order. Now, these positions were chosen by the members themselves, independent of the so-called king's prerogative, right? And the system operated on the principle that justice came from the Lord, and therefore it was the responsibility of each member to ensure the well-being and righteousness of their community. Hmm, kind of sounds like the assembly of people here in America. Now, over time, though, subsequently, you know, subsequent generations began to abandon the godly principles and ideals that guided the hundreds. They started seeking favor and support from earthly rulers, you know, earthly rulers and kings, right? Forgetting their allegiance to God. And the book suggests that this shift led to the decline of the self-governing hundreds and their transformation into systems aligned with the kings and merchants of the earth. So this change resulted in ungodly governments to pop up and reign and, 
and obviously they didn't prioritize justice and righteousness as the original hundreds did. So the practice of the hundreds is presented as an example of how community can govern itself, how a community can govern itself, uphold moral values, ensure justice when guided by the principles of God. It serves as a contrast to the later systems that join themselves to earthly powers, which the book argues led to the oppression and loss of true justice. Hmm, kind of sounds like D.C., our sewer of America. <clears throat> so the reassembly of states, ladies and gentlemen, that we are witnessing and engaging in today's, you know, in today reflects a growing desire to restore what has been lost for a long time now that these originally started off with. See, people are actively working towards reinstating God's rule right now as we speak, and they're seeking a society to be built on good morals and values. Lord knows we need it, especially in June, Pride Month. So the focus is shifting from personal status and self-serving self ambitions towards becoming true servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this restoration of self-governance, particularly here in America, with a C, not a K, is about prioritizing God above all else and fostering overall well-being. It involves discussions on strong morals, strengthening family foundations, and ultimately building a nation under the guidance of our Heavenly Father. Now, these efforts are reflected in initiatives like the formation of this podcast, the His Hardline podcast. That's why we discuss everything, God, wellness, family, and country. Because it aims to promote these principles and bring people together in pursuit of a righteous and God-centered society. Now, does that mean we're all goody-goodies over here and we lead perfect lives? Absolutely not. We're imperfect people. We know that, however... We are constantly seeking to reflect the path of Jesus and to follow God's word on a daily basis, no matter how many times we may fall and stumble. It's about striving to be the best version of yourself daily while trying to follow in Jesus's footsteps, right? Time is not really on my side. Got about 44 minutes before, um, let me think here. Yeah, 44 minutes before I have to be on the call. So forgive me if this sounds a little expedited in reading. So let's get into the reading. First Peter chapter 4, New King James Version is what I'm reading today. Starting with verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drunken parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live accordingly to the God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manif manifold grace of god if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of god if anyone ministers let him do it as with the ability which god supplies that in all things god may be glorified through jesus christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Stepping away from the scripture for a minute, that means mind your own business. 
Stepping back into the scripture, verse 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the reading of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 19. So, a little summary here. So, as we read here, living for God's will, right, is kind of what we're, where we started off with. Because the chapter emphasizes the need to live according to God's will rather than indulging in worldly desires or sinful behaviors. And it encourages believers to arm themselves with the same mindset as Christ did, who suffered for us in the flesh. Now, then we get into discussions about separation from worldly ways, because believers are reminded that they've spent enough time living according to the ways of the world, characterized by immorality, idolatry, and, and excess. And they are encouraged not to conform to these behaviors, but to stand apart, even if it means facing ridicule or persecution from others. See, I'll be honest with you guys. That kind of thing does not bother me. Ridicule me all you want. Persecute me all you want. I don't care. I don't care. The next thing he, he talks about is about accountability and judgment. Lord knows this society needs more of that because here's the thing. The chapter highlights the accountability of all people before God, both the living and the dead. And it emphasizes that those who reject the gospel will face judgment while those who embrace it will live according to God's spirit. And we talk about in there, somewhere in there was talking about the endurance in trials, right? Because again, as believers, we are encouraged to remain very steadfast and serious in prayer, especially as we face trials and difficulties, because they remind us to rejoice in sharing in Christ's sufferings and to glorify God in the midst of persecution or personal challenges. Then it discusses in there fervent love and hospitality. How love and hospitality are emphasized as essential virtues for the believer. They're encouraged to love one another deeply. And as love covers a multitude of sins, as we read, believers should also practice hospitality willingly and without complaint. Don't grumble about it. And I think the last thing that we kind of discussed here, or that was in the last part of that chapter there, was proper use of your gifts that God gives you. Because again, each believer is reminded to use their spiritual gifts to serve one another. Don't use it for self-serving ways, but to serve others. Being good stewards of God's grace. Whether speaking or ministering, they should do so in a manner that brings glory to God and acknowledges his empowering presence. So in, basically, in applying all these teachings today that we kind of read through, here's what believers can do. All right, we'll just run down the list. Real simple. Seek to align their lives with God's will, placing him at the center. I always talk about that, guys. Placing him at the center and seeking to live according to his principles. That's number one. Number two, embrace their identity as followers of Christ, even if it means being different from the prevailing culture. Because again, if you're like me, who gives a crap about the prevailing culture? Culture sucks, okay? Think about the root word of culture, cult, cult. Do you want to be part of a cult? I sure don't. I'm okay standing aside from the cult. It's about cultivating a spirit of accountability and understanding that all actions and choices have consequences before God. Find strength and endurance in prayer. Trusting faithfulness during times of difficulty or persecution. Very important. Another point to take from all this, foster a culture of love and hospitality within their communities, showing genuine care and support for others. And the last thing that we could take away from this, again, identify and utilize their unique gifts and abilities to serve others and bring glory to God. So by incorporating these principles into our lives, 
we can certainly strive to live in accordance with the teachings of 1 Peter chapter 4 and grow in our faith and relationship with God. So, there's that. So, if you followed me on Telegram, I forgot to put it on True Social. Hold on, let me take a quick sip real quick. Hold on. Oh, I feel so bad. I forgot to hit the start show button over here on Cloud Hub. Well, I guess that's going to be a episode that's going to be skipped on Cloud Hub. Sorry, Cloud Hub. Oh, well. Let me just minimize that real quick. I know, Rietta. How rude. That was very rude of me. Very, 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 very rude. You know, I just, just can't stand myself sometimes. How rude. I know. I know. Very. That was very, very rude. Don't be rude. Trump, stop. Don't it. be rude. Trump, no, you, no, no, you don't be rude, okay? Because that's fake news. You know I'm not rude. You are fake news. Go ahead. You know what, Trump? Go sit in the corner, okay? I can't, I can't take it today. Not, not from you. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, <laughs> do you like my stupid arguments with, with, with uh, automated Trump on my buttons? The, 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 the two, the three, four liners, and I like just have a stupid dialogue with them. I tell you, I, I, I think I belong in the loony bin, guys. <laughs> I belong in the loony bin, the cuckoo, the cuckoo nest. <laughs> oh. Bye, Felicia. Yes, bye, Felicia, indeed. So back to the hundreds quick. So what I posted on Telegram, and I forgot to post it on True Social, but I posted five uh, screenshots. Now, it's not the first chapter. It's just the first section of the first part, the first chapter, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, it's a very extensive book. And when I get off of here, I'll make sure I post it on Telegram. It's a good book, but you can find it again. You can, it's called The Book of the Hundreds, and you can find it on national-assembly.net, which, by the way, today is Thursday. We do have a National Assembly call at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can go on national www.national-assembly.net. You can get the um, phone call information or the free conference call stuff for online if you want to log in on the computer and tune in and see what's going on. They do Q&A, get some information, see if your state's active. Check it out every Thursday at 9 p.m. So the Book of the Hundreds, the first section that I was reading, I posted five screenshots, and it was talking about the decline of the power of the church. The decline of the power of the church. Now, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to kind of read a couple snippets here. It says, we begin with a short statement of what early Christians in America believed about the nature of civic government. This starting point is necessary in order to set in stark relief the changes that came later. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. Another scripture says all, uh, it says, all scripture is given by, insp- excuse me, this is not part of scripture, but it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect through uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And it says right here, read carefully part of a speech by John Winthrop, governor of Massachusetts Bay. Now, somebody, I don't know who they are, but posted on my telegram saying that John Winthrop was their uh, was their ancestor. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I have no way to verify that. But if, if true, that's pretty cool. So I'm not going to read again. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but I'm going to just read like one paragraph of his speech here. And it says right here, the great question, this is a speech at John Winthrop. Governor of Massachusetts Bay said, he said, the great question that has troubled, that have troubled the country about the authority of ma- of the magistrates and the liberty of people, it is yourselves who have called us to this office and being called by you, we have our authority from God in way of an ordinance such as hath the image of God eminently stamped upon it. The contempt and violation whereof hath been vindicated 
with examples of divine vengeance, I entreat you to consider that when you choose magistrates, you take them from among yourselves, men subject to the like passions as you are. Therefore, when you see infirmities in us, you should reflect upon your own, and that would make you bear the more with us. And censures of the failings of your magistrates. When you have continual experience of the like infirmities in yourself and others, we account, hold on, kind of spit on my phone. We account him a good servant who breaks not his covenant. The covenant between you and us is the oath you have taken of us, which is to this purpose that we shall govern you and judge you, your causes, by the rules of God's laws and our own according to our best skill now notice he said according to god's laws not man's laws god's laws um when you agree with a workman to build you a ship or house or etc he undertakes as well for his skill as for his faithfulness for it is his profession and you pay him for both but when you call one to be a magistrate, he doth not profess nor undertake to have sufficient skill for that office, nor can you furnish him with gifts, etc. Therefore, you must run the hazard of his skill and ability. But if he fail in faithfulness, which by his oath he is bound unto, that he must answer for, if it fall out that the case be clear to common, appreh common apprehension and the rule clear also if the if he transgress here the error is not in the skill but in the evil of the will it will be required of him but if the case be doubtful or the rule doubtful to men of such understanding and parts as your magistrates are if your magistrate should err here yourselves must bear it. Now, I'm not going to continue to read this because it's very long and extensive. That's why I posted it on Telegram. Check it out. Now, during the early colonial period in America, oops, sorry, guys, I keep doing that. I always hit my microphone with my hand when I move it. Um, I'm just reading the chat here. Sorry, here. Do, 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 do. I'm just reading, reading, reading. Okay. So during the early colonial period in America, the Christian church operated independently and sought guidance from scripture and Christ as their ultimate authority. And see, that's what we do in the assembly, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. But the thing of the matter is, is that over time, various factors ended up contributing to the decline of the church's power and the influence. See, one significant shift occurred with the Salem witch trials, which affected the morale of the Puritan founders and led to increased control by England over the colonies. Pietism, a withdrawal from worldly affairs, also began to set in and fueled by the perception of the colonies being overrun by non-believers and hearsay. Or excuse me, heresy, not hearsay, heresy. <laughs> can't even read my own notes. But the church started aligning itself with colonial governments and incorporating and incorporating. I don't know if you heard me say that, guys. The church started aligning itself with colonial governments and incorporating. And although this was initially limited. The Great Awakening in the 1740s brought temporary resistance to this trend as popular forms of church government arose, emphasizing self-government and opposing the alliance between church and state. So the, here's the thing. So the colonial war took a toll. So I'm kind of giving you a bit of a summary here of those five pages that I posted on Telegram. Okay. This is kind of a summation. The colonial war took a toll on the Christian church, with many leaders being killed by the British. The British used church corporation records to identify and target those Christians. Now, this tragic genocide further diminished the intellectual quality of Christian thought. 
So by the time we hit 1800s, the power of the Christian church was in severe decline. And so churches increasingly sought incorporation, leading to the dependence on the state for support. Because they're thinking to themselves, well, crap, if we're going to survive, we're going to have to incorporate. And so additionally, issues of segregation started to rise, you know, started, you know, uh, segregation arose. Churches that were previously integrated became segregated. What do you mean, Jason? Yeah, blacks and whites actually went to church together back then. So it was the incorporating of churches that went from integration to segregation. Huh, imagine that. Never had a problem with racism until, you know, government started getting involved in the establishment. Imagine that. Wonder why that is, by the way. What's that old saying? United we stand, divided we fall, right? And so although they, there were instances of integrated churches throughout the South, these relationships were, you know, paternalistic and marked by subservience and dependency. And so these factors, along with many others, contributed to the decline of the power and influence of the Christian church during this period in American history. It's pretty sad. Now, in 1831, fears and suspicions of slave uprisings grew among the white population in the South. As a result, stricter regulations were imposed on African Americans, including restrictions on their religious gatherings. And then in many cases, separate churches were actually established for African-Americans leading to the segregation of worship. And so the rise of abolitionism in the North further complicated the relationship between the Christian church and the issue of slavery. Now, while the some Christian denominations actively supported the abolitionist movement and condemned slavery as a sin, others defended the institution and used biblical justifications to support its continuation. Yeah. And this divergence of views within the church contributed to a fracture in the unity of the Christian community. The Civil War itself, guys, obviously had a very profound impact on the power of the Christian church. Because as a nation became embroiled in conflict, Many religious leaders found themselves caught between their loyalty to their respective, you know, regions and their commitment to their faith. And the war disrupted church activities and led to a decline in church attendance and influence at that time. So after the Civil War, that's when we kind of hit that Reconstruction era, right? Which brought significant changes to American society. And maybe one of these days I might read the, re, you know, the Reconstruction Act of 1871. I think, we, I think we need to go and do a review of that. That talks a lot about incorporating in America, incorporating. See, the church played a crucial role in this period at that time with many African-Americans finding solace and strength in their faith communities. And however racial tensions persisted and segregation, you know, segregation continued to be a prevalent issue within churches. But when you got into the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the influence of church began, began to wane further as new ideologies and philosophies emerged. The rise of industrialization. Urbanization. Modernity, Jason, what's, what's modernity? Modernizing society. All that challenged traditional religious beliefs and practices as all that became on the rise. And so the increasing, and so to add insult to injury, so the increasing secularization of society led to a decline in religious adherence and the erosion of the church's authority as, as society became more secular. And furthermore, the introduction of new scientific theories like, you know, Darwinism, right, and other discoveries, that also caused a ton of conflicts between religious doctrines and scientific knowledge. 
And these challenges to traditional religious beliefs contributed to a decline in the power and influence of the church over time. So it's important to note that while the decline of, of the power of the Christian church may be observed in certain aspects, it does not diminish the ongoing significance and the impact of Christianity in American society. Because clearly, Christianity and the Spirit of God and Christ still lives on and still going strong. Sure, it might have a low member base right now, but it, this, it hasn't gone. The church continues to be a vital source of spiritual guidance. Whether if it's a church you go to, brick and mortar, or you have a few people in your own home, it's still there as a source of spiritual guidance, community support, and, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, social activism for many individuals and communities. So overall, the history of the Christian church in ancient England, as it talks about here in the Book of Hundreds, and early America, it shows periods of strength and decline because the concept of the hundreds in ancient England embodied, again, self-governance and communal responsibility based on godly principles. However, subsequent generations deviated from these ideals leading to a shift towards aligning with earthly powers rather than divine guidance. So similarly, in early colonial America, the church operated independently, seeking guidance from your script, you know, from scripture and Christ. That would be Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. They started seeking guidance from his ultimate authority. Yet various factors such as the Salem witch trials, incorporation, the colonial war, and issues of segregation contributed to the decline of the church's power and influence. So nevertheless, the Christian church remains a significant source of spiritual guidance, community support, and social activism in modern society by aligning our lives with God's will, practicing accountability, enduring trials, fostering love and hospitality, and utilizing our gifts to serve others. We can implement the teachings of 1 Peter chapter 4 that we just read. We can implement all of that in our assemblies, utilizing our special gifts and talents. So as we reflect on the history and challenges faced by the church, it's important to recognize that Christianity continues to play a very vital role in the lives of many people and our communities. The current efforts to restore self-governance and prioritize God as the main authority reflects a growing desire for a society founded on good morals, founded on justice and righteousness. And by striving to follow Jesus or Jesus's example in seeking personal growth, we can contribute to building to the building of a society that, uphold, that upholds these values. This is what it's about when it comes to being bond servants to Jesus Christ, the ultimate authority. This book called the Book of Hundreds, and I promised the guy that was one of the contributing authors, because I asked permission before I started talking about the stuff from this book, if I could discuss some of the contents of this book in my podcast. He said, absolutely, as long as you give credit where the credit is due. Now, considering there's no specific authors named after each section and writing, um, like I said, there's many authors, but... There's, I am going to refer to it when I do discuss these matters from the Book of Hundreds, and I will post screenshots on Telegram and True Social of any shows going forward that I might do. I will post screenshots of what I'm referencing so you can read it directly and have a better understanding when, when, when we discuss it later on that evening. All right, what time is it here? We got seven, 12 after seven. Okay, got about 18 more minutes left here. Nine, uh, 17 now. So let's lead in prayer. And then I got a song I'm going to play, which hopefully I don't get sued for because it's a fairly new song from a movie that I really, really like. 
I mean, look, I don't profit from this podcast, so whatever. But, you know, figure I played enough songs by now. I would have heard something from some record company threatening to sue me for playing a song without having rights for it. Whatever. But I am going to play a song that I really like. It's called uh, I Ain't Worried by One Republic. It's from my newest favorite movie, Top Gun Maverick. Come on back. It's a good movie. All right. Um, my wife says state, you don't have rights to it and who sings it. Okay. Well, I will do that right after the prayer. That's a good idea. So dear heavenly father, we, we want to come before you with a, a grateful heart and, and acknowledge your wisdom and guidance throughout history as we reflect on the concept of the hundreds in ancient England and the challenges faced by Christian churches in early America. And we recognize the importance of aligning our lives with your will. We ask that you grant us the strength to uphold the principles of self-governance and communal responsibility as we prop up our assemblies and reassemble our states just as those godly families did in the past and help us resist the allure of earthly powers and prioritize your righteousness and justice above all else. We ask that during times of trials and difficulties, may we find endurance and and, and strength in prayer, knowing that you are faithful and present with us always. Uh, We ask that you fill our hearts with fervent love for one another so that through our actions and hospitality, we may reflect your love and cover a multitude of sins. So, Lord, we acknowledge the challenge and decline that the church had faced throughout history, but we also recognize its ongoing significance and the impact in our lives and our communities and also within our assembly of states. So we ask that you grant us the humility to learn from our past, to seek unity, and to build a society that upholds good morals, justice, and righteousness. And we humbly commit our souls to you, knowing that it is through doing good and following your will that we find true purpose and fulfillment. So we say thank you for being our faithful creator and for guiding us on the path of righteousness. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Oh, and I cannot forget this. And Rietta adds to the prayer, Father, we come before you with thanksgiving. We need you daily. Help us to trust you more by faith. Lord, please give peace and comfort to those hurting and struggling. Lord, please save those who don't know you yet. And we love you so much. And we pray all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. So, yes, the song I'm going to play, I do not have rights to it. The artist is One Republic, and the song is called I Ain't Worried. It is from the soundtrack of Top Gun Maverick. It is a good song. I really like this song. So, I hope you all have a great day. Remember, we have a National Assembly call today at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Information is on www.national-assembly.net. And uh, you can find all that information there. If you want to email the show, it's hishardline at gmail.com, hishardline at gmail.com. Our website is www.hishardline.com. There is a give, send, go over there if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, please share the show. That's my biggest thing that you can do to contribute to the show. Share this show far and wide. Friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, enemies, frenemies, ex-girlfriends, boy, whatever. Share it. Please share it. We need to grow the community. So with that said, I hope you all have a great night, great day, wherever you're at in the world. And we will be back here tomorrow, but early, early in the afternoon. I might, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a, it's going to be a quick show. It won't be a long, you know, 45 to hour long show, but it'll be a quick show, but it'll probably be more along the lines of around two o'clock in the afternoon because we're going to do an escape room at 5:20 tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. Double date with our neighbors doing an escape room, so that's going to be fun. And Saturday there won't be a show possibly. Yeah, there definitely won't be a show cuz I got to get up really early um make it to my uh state meeting. It's our face-to-face meeting. So there you go. There won't be a show on Saturday, but there will be one on Sunday. So All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have a good day, good night wherever you're at in the world, and God bless.
I know you guys are dancing. I should be scared, honey, maybe so. But I ain't worried about it right now. Keeping dreams alive. 1999 heroes. Put your hands up. I ain't worried about it right now. Swimming in the floods. Dancing on the clouds below. I ain't worried Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. We are firm. We are steadfast. And we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times. And it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America. For the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net
It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.